Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, I will be talking to Karl Deiretzbacher from the OPC Foundation. Karl will be giving us an overview of OPC UA companion specifications. He will explain us what companion specifications are. He will talk about the OPC UA basics for these specifications. He'll explain the different types of companion specifications that exist, what joint working groups are, and also how the OPC Foundation guides the development and maintenance of the companion specifications. Okay, let's hear what Carl has to tell us. Hello, Carl. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hey, Peter. I am fine. Thanks for having me here on this Companion Specification podcast. Carl, please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about yourself and your involvement to date with OPC Technology and the OPC Foundation. Sure. My name is Carl Deiritzbacher. I am acting as Technical Director for the OPC Foundation and as a Chair for the Technical Advisory Council. But my involvement with OPC already started in 1995. And for more than 20 years, I have been part of the core OPC specification teams. I am still active as editor of several parts. Carl, the OPC Foundation closely cooperates with organizations and associations from various branches. What role do companion specifications play with regards to these cooperations? In short, uh, with OPC UA, we define the mechanisms how to move data, the knowledge what type of data is needed for specific application domains or for branches, as you say, exists in numerous other active organizations. And those are the ones we want to cooperate with. A companion specification formally defines such a branch-specific information model and assures that implementations from different vendors all look and behave the same. The combination of the UA communication infrastructure with domain-specific data provides for the end-user robust and secure data exchange at semantic level between products of different vendors. Which are the OPC UA features that can be used for companion specifications? The first and most important feature is the OPC UA address space model. You can think of it as a language to design object-oriented information. We call it address space model because all information elements, which we also call the meta information, are also available in the server address space and can be discovered and used by clients. In other words, quite similar to the definition of a library in object-oriented programming, an information model defines object types with variables and methods which can be subtyped and instantiated. In addition, these types can be semantically enriched by using specific reference types to other nodes. But the OPC UA standard not only provides a language to, to design OO information, it also includes a basic information model 
with widely applicable object types, variable types, references, and data types. So in summary, each companion specification uses the address space model to extend the OPC UA base types with custom branch specific types. You mentioned the term information model. Can you please describe for our listener what an information model looks like? Yes, sure. Again, like in OO programming, all standard types and instances have to be defined with their attributes, components, methods, and their relationships. We have formal tables that are used in the documents, but in addition, a machine-readable version has to be provided. It is an XML document that conforms to information model XML schema, the so-called node sets. There are several tools on the market that have been built that allow creating and processing such node sets. Toolkit vendors, for instance, provide code generators for their development kits that use node sets as source. Who can develop a companion specification? I mean, is that a privilege for OPC Foundation employees or members? Or can anyone interested start one up? No, anybody is allowed to develop companion specifications. The OPC UA standard is a public standard and can be downloaded from the OPC Foundation web. No membership is required, only registration. The OPC Foundation differentiates between types of companion specifications. Can you please explain? Um, yes, the differences arise from the way the OPC Foundation gets involved. We differentiate the types internal, joint, and external. An, an internal companion specification is developed by an OPC Foundation working group. No other organization is involved. The other extreme is an external companion specification that is developed without OPC Foundation involvement. But joint is the most important type. Here, the OPC Foundation and one or maybe more than one organization sign an agreement for certain work items. The members of all involved organizations are invited to participate. We call this also a joint working group. The work results will carry the logos of the participating organizations and will be published on the OPC web. The OPC Foundation supports such joint initiatives with marketing efforts as well. You mention that joint working groups are the most important and also most common way to develop companion specifications. Uh, can you tell us more about them? How do they get initiated? Yes, that is true. So most working, most active working groups are joint working groups. As already mentioned before, OPC UA is an infrastructure to exchange complex information models. There are already many organizations actively developing and maintaining such models for specific branches. And with the increasing popularity of the OPC UA standard, we constantly receive inquiries for a collaborative work. So when we get such an inquiry, 
we check whether such a collaboration is considered useful for both organizations. And we sign a so-called Memorandum of Understanding, an MOU, that describes the purpose of the joint work. This is the first step of the installation and is followed by a more detailed agreement in form of a chartered document. Once approved by the OPC Control Board, a kickoff date is scheduled where the new joint working group is officially launched. Both organizations invite their member experts to participate in this new joint work. Okay, and how do the joint working groups operate? The mode how working groups operate is quite similar across most organizations and in most areas in the world. OPC just su suggests some key points as part of the charter. Number one, a group needs to have a chairperson that is responsible for the operation and one or more editors that develop the specification. Number two, the group will hold regular web meetings. Bi-weekly is quite common. Meetings should be recorded for traceability and for people not able to attend. Face-to-face -face meetings are also common, but with less frequency. Number three, the chairperson participates in the OPC UA harmonization group. This ensures the exchange with OPC UA experts and other working groups. Number four, when finished, the companion specification will be submitted to OPC for review and approval. So how many joint working groups exist and where can I find out more about them and their work? End of 2019, we had about 40 groups in different stages. Some of them just started and others have completed a release and are in a so-called maintenance mode. During the last years, we installed about five to 10 new groups per year. An overview of these working groups with a short description of their charter and other details is available from opcfoundation.org. Just open the root menu, go to about, then working groups, and then joint working groups. I assume that commonalities exist amongst the joint working groups. For example, I guess not just one joint working group may need a, let's say, data type for, as an example, GPS coordinates. So how is that being handled? There are different opportunities. First of all, the core specification already provides several widely acceptable and applicable models or individual types. Examples are the file type, a folder, a state machine model, or a device model. But UA also specifies a number of variable and alarm types that are common among many industries. In that context, I want to mention the online reference, which is an online version of the OPC UA standard and companion specifications. It allows for easy and powerful searches across all information models. Just open reference.opcfoundation.org and enter the term you are looking for in the search dialog. If it exists, you will get a list of page links that define and describe the requested feature. 
A second opportunity is the harmonization working group that I already mentioned. Here you can explain and discuss your needs and check for existing similar solutions. You mentioned that models defined in companion specifications are governed by a namespace. But what if I want to use models from different companion specifications in a single implementation? Uh, actually, this is a fundamental issue and had to be addressed right from the beginning. Implementations will often use multiple namespaces. A server that implements PLC Open, for instance, needs the namespace for the OPC UA core standard, the UA for devices namespace, and the PLC Open namespace. In implementations, you will find that the identifier for nodes in the address space includes an ID for the suitable namespace so that it can be easily identified. Great. So it sounds like OPC UA is really a perfect infrastructure for semantic interoperability and companion specifications are the way to add domain-specific information models. So when a companion specification has been completed, what are the next steps? Uh, when finished, the companion specification will be submitted to OPC bodies for review and approval. OPC established a formal release process, which is used for internal specifications and for companion specifications, which are joint specifications as well. As part of this process, all members are granted a 90-day period where they can submit comments and opt out claims according to the OPC intellectual property policy. When the comments have been resolved, the specification will be published on the OPC web and integrated into the online reference. Okay, we're getting to the end. Is there any activity or development you've experienced lately? Or do you have a final thought that you would like to share with our listeners? Sure. Let me reiterate that the combined efforts of OPC and various branch-specific organizations is unique and has enormous potential. I am convinced that it will be a key driver for the ongoing industrial revolution. On a final note, I very much wish and hope that this podcast not only explains but also motivates other groups. Thank you, Carl. Thank you a lot for sharing your, what did you say, 20 years of experience dealing with OPC UA companion specifications. If you, dear listener, uh, want to learn more about other OPC UA companion specifications, other pieces of the OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, maybe you want to listen first to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, Maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups, as just mentioned by Carl. Or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise. Please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the web URL and the mail address in the podcast notes. In future editions, I will be doing interviews with guests from Microsoft, SAP, 
IBM and many others on such topics as cloud, certification, and further companion specification details. It was great to have you with us today. If you liked what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. And Carl, thank you again for having been my guest today. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.